There is a good business to be in in South Africa right now. It's got to be in the business of sorting out boards. There have been cataclysmic failures in both public and private sectors in recent years. We know the public sector runs very well, but there have been a myriad of private sector boards that have failed also to hold executives to account, and it's had disastrous consequences. Steinhoff, Tongart, EOH, name them. There have been many, many uh, board failures in South Africa. Uh, Victor Brzezki is a partner and founder of The Board. Board Practice, a company that focuses on board chairman, director effectiveness, and all areas of board operations. Why, Victor, have South African boards become so poor at doing their job? Uh, good evening, Bruce, and uh, good evening to the listeners. Uh, I, th- I think everyone was surprised by this. Uh, if, you, if you look at the World Economic Forum Com- Competitiveness Index, South Africa was number one for its auditing standards and number three for its corporate governance standards in 2016. And we've fallen way down to the 20s and the 30s in that respect. So, so I think everyone was surprised. Uh, I, I think they, they, I want to separate the two things. The one thing is if you look at the, the public entities, uh, I think for a period our boards were appointed for these entities with a political mandate rather than an independent oversight mandate. So to some extent, I want to separate those from the private sector. Okay, now let, let, let's, let's do that quickly. I mean, not only for a political mandate, for a political in, in many cases, but with the direct intent of corrupting the entities and capturing the entities. I think that is, uh, I mean, that is well accepted as being absolute fact. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And of course, our legal and judiciary system should take its course. And hopefully it does. And it does it sooner than later. Mm. No, absolutely. We've seen the, just the hijacking of boards, the hijacking. What did Richard Quest say in that interview out of Davos? Your economy was hijacked, he told us. And uh, that was part of it. There was a very clear influence. And I, I recall Private Gordon telling us on how it would work. And you would be sitting on a board and you would um, have a lovely board going. There'd be eight members of the board and somebody would leave. And the next thing, there'd be somebody coming onto the board that you didn't agree with. And then there'd be two people on the board. And suddenly there became a reputational issue with you staying on the board with these with these people. So you would leave. And then that would open a gap for a third and a fourth and a fifth person. And by the time um, you, you blinked, uh, the board was wholly captured. And that happened a lot in that public sector, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And sometimes not even in, in drips and drabs. Sometimes complete boards were appointed in that way. So, so I, I think that was a disaster. I think the biggest surprise, I think, to everyone in this country was that the private sector, starting off with Steinhoff, that we had so many surprises and so many pieces of bad news where boards seemingly were asleep at the wheel and pretty good boards if you look at them superficially. And so, okay, let's. We, 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 uh, I want to park the public sector boards discussion because it's it's a pointless discussion. It, 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 there was fraud, there was corruption, there was all that sort of stuff. I'm interested, and I'm sure everyone else is interested, in how we how our private sector boards failed us, and they failed us all as investors, as people with retirement annuities, people with pension funds. Um, those boards have let us all down. I think they've they've really let the whole whole country down. I I think if you have to look at the way boards work, they are part of an ecosystem which is completely based on trust. Uh, The reason why you you buy a share at a certain price is because you believe that management has been truthful about the financial status, the auditors have done their job, the board has provided oversight, uh, staff is capable of delivering. So everything is based on trust. And uh, in the microcosmos of a board, of course, there is also just the element of trust. And we've built governance systems. We've built them to be complex, complete, 
uh, with all sorts of structures, requirements, regulations. And we hoped that we could regulate risk out of the system. And, and clearly that can never be done. There'll always be risk. So the one thing is that you'll have to deal with, if there's no risk, there's no business. So risk sometimes leads to, to failure and failure leads to disappointment. I think our bigger issue is that it seems that there were failures from, from the boards to hold the executives not only to account, but to see clear danger lights and signs evolving as they went along. For instance, in 2009, it was clear that that sign of red lights were flickering and no one, nobody was really paying attention. I mean, so what is the job of a board? You say there were red lights flickering. You say that uh, nobody was paying attention. And what is the job? I mean, let's understand this in its simplest terms. What is the job of a board of directors? The job of a board in, in the South African context is to look after the interests of the company. It's as simple as that. Now, of course, if you define the company more broadly, then it includes everyone that has to do with that company. So it's shareholders, of course. Any other stakeholder like employees, customers, etc. So, so the board has a really wide ambit, but the and I won't call it the day-to-day job because that's their dilemma. They get together four to six times a year. Uh, they see each other. They have to look each other in the eye and say, "Do I trust you to together with me make a good decision on a particular critical subject?" So it's really a tough job, and to build trust and to build the respect needed to be able to interrogate, to challenge, to uh, really test each other, other's assumptions, beliefs. It's a really tough job, but that's their job that they need to not only hold the executives to account, but guide. The word director means direct in a direction, and, and it's not pointing backwards, it's pointing forwards. So they need to direct the executives where to go, and then, of course, allow the executives to implement and hold them to, to account. And, and the, the, so the relationship of trust extends beyond then the members of the board, the non-executive directors, the people whose job it is to take care of the company. Their job also is to ensure that the executives, people whose day-to-day job it is, people who get paid an increasingly eye-watering amounts of money in order to do that, very complicated and often, uh, often very difficult job, but it's the board's job to keep the executives in check. But what has happened so often in recent years is that the executives have either lied, cheated, cajoled, or simply bullied boards um, or convinced boards of, of, of their own superhuman qualities. Uh, absolutely true. I, I want to go back to the word trust. Is Of course, the, board, the non-executive section of the board needs to trust the, the executives, but only up to a point. If there's no trust, there's no way any board or any executive can do their job because then you simply have conflict and you have no no relationship. And, and that's the first breakdown that we often see is the breakdown in relationships rather than anything else. So so the, the fact that relationships and trust determines everything means that the moment that those are threatened, then the board needs to take cognizance of that and then, of course, start to act on that. Uh, I want to give you an example. In the South African boardroom, our boards are very involved. They want, we call it the parenting role where they, they want to be involved in strategy, in guiding, in understanding the issues. Uh, in, in large parts of Europe, the biggest part of the board meeting is to see whether you're still happy with the executives, uh, which means it's much more a monitoring, checking and finding out whether they are doing their jobs properly. But when it comes to trust and relationships, one of the great criticisms of boards is that they are 
or, or it's the old school tie um, and that, you know, boards is choose each other and it's all about chums who get together occasionally and discuss the best way of fleecing the customer, fleecing the fiscus, whatever it might be. That is a popularly held and very often wrong um, perception. But that's a perception that exists because of the use of words like trust and relationships, because we've all got to get on. We've all got to muddle through. But at some point, it goes over a line, and that line is invisible but critical. Yeah, I, I think the the tag of, of uh, old old school or old boys club boards, I think, is, is long gone. I think that was to us the biggest disappointment that most of these boards where things have gone wrong are boards where you really have respected individuals on the board, and the question then arises, so, so why did they as a group not detect it or not act on, on certain things? Uh, and, and that is because of the reason of, of this whole trust issue. They don't get together often enough. They need to trust the executives and, and the, the CEO in particular to be able to deliver on the promises that they make. Uh, and, and I think the, the fact that you have our, in our country boards now which are fairly independent, got all the right structures, all the right processes are carefully monitored, especially our financial services are hugely regulated. Uh, I, I really think it was a big surprise that things could go wrong in this way. Yeah, um, I want to talk about things like independence. What does it mean? And what happens if the, the chair of the board is rotten or clueless or should never have been appointed in the first place? Lots of questions for Dr. Victor Prozetsky, who is the manager director at the board practice. What makes boards work? Why do some work and some fail so catastrophically? We'll talk about that more in a moment. Dr. Victor, Victor Brzezinski is the Managing Director of The Board Practice. He's in the studio with us this, this, us this evening on how boards work, why they work, what makes them function. And if there is no trust, if there's no relationship, they don't work. But if that trust is misplaced and those relationships not healthy, it also doesn't work. It comes to independence of boards. But then you start reading the King Report and South Africa at the forefront, of course, of, of corporate governance and the King Codes and all of that sort of stuff. When Maybe one of the places where they all start going wrong, Victor, is that everybody starts reading the King Code and takes it literally and then gets out a big, fat, permanent ink marker pen and starts ticking off pages in the King Report to say, we did that, we did that. Then they fell asleep and the CEO fleeced the company while they were all asleep because they're not applying themselves in the way perhaps they should to the guidelines rather than the rules. Of course, that's 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 always the danger when you have governance and regulations is that you then start to depend on those. Uh, and I think that's exactly what may happen and what might have happened in, in some of these cases. Uh, I, I just think it was it was the wrong discussions. It was the wrong cycle, as you call it, the cycle of trust and respect. Uh, and for instance, when we see a good board in action where we really think nothing should go wrong is when we have less presentation, more discussion, more talks about the future than the past, more talks about purpose than the current plans. So you can hear when the discussions are really in depth and at the right level, rather than just saying, have we complied with all the things and are are we keeping ourselves out of trouble? That's the role of the chair, surely. I mean, and that's why the, the, the job of chair of a board is so absolutely pivotal. Absolutely. Of course, legally, the chair is is just another equal among the board members. But the role of the chair is extremely important. 
Uh, and for instance, we often see that chairs who are really good chairs will get the best out of their board members and, and will even argue to them that they should differ from the, the current thinking so that you can avoid uh, groupthink, hold them individually accountable. So the role of the chair is extremely important. And therefore, if the role of the chair is extremely important, that suggests that this is where there is possibly the biggest failure. I, I guess you can say that. Um, I, of course, the chair cannot on, on his or her own ensure that these things do not go wrong. Uh, the, one of the complications, for instance, let me, t- let me tell you about the – you've got committees who do the bulk of the work and you've got an audit committee who goes through the finances in with a fine tooth comb and make sure that the finances are right. Uh, the chair is not even allowed to serve on the audit committee. So, so to some extent, it's, it's unhealthy to say, well, the chair needs to be held accountable directly. Yeah, but, yeah, but the chair's job is to ensure that everybody behaves appropriately. And whether or not you're on the committee, it is your job to interrogate the work of that committee. Surely when it is presented to you, we, we're the audit committee, we've, we've done our work. Well, have you? Let us, let's test. Um, and, and that is where, if it is not satisfactory, the chair should have the role of challenging that, surely. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, and also the, the rest of the board should be comfortable in challenging the chair because uh, you often have the chair is, is someone who is widely respected and maybe a dominant personality. Uh, and generally and they've been around the block a bit and they can, dare I suggest, be quite experienced street fighters or boardroom fighters that if you dare challenge, they may put you back in your place. So particularly junior board members unless they're very, very courageous, um, might be reluctant to challenge. Absolutely. And, and if that happens, that's a really unhealthy sign because it's often the, uh, what we call the benevolent mavericks on the board who, who start the challenging and often guide the discussion away from groupthink and in the end to better decisions. If, if you see a chair that does not allow or even shows displeasure at, at any challenge of, of that role or any opinion of the chair, that really is a danger sign. Uh, and I mean, uh, uh, it would in an ideal world, board members wouldn't need the gig. They would be doing it because they wanted to give back to society. But sadly, uh, in many cases, you've got people who do require the income that comes from those board seats, and that income can sometimes be quite substantial. Yeah, and and in South Africa, as as is global, but in South Africa more so, board members are becoming younger, and of course, we've got an upcoming class of directors who have not yet had the chance to build wealth through an executive career and is building that through a non-executive career. Uh, and even though they may be uh, technically independent from uh, having material relationship with the company, the fact that they do earn a substantial fee may cause them to not think independently at all times. So those are all dangers, but everyone is aware of that and they should act accordingly. Yeah, but, but this is where we get into this big grey area, this big desert, this big chasm. I mean, yes, everybody knew that Peter Moyer was conflicted in his role as chief executive of Old Mutual and in his own investment company. Everybody knew it. Everybody um, expected that the conflicts would be managed. And then Old Mutual developed an opinion that Peter Moyer wasn't managing those conflicts. He believed he was. And you end up in the mess that we're in today. Twelve months later, Old Mutual still doesn't have a chief executive because there were conflicts everybody was aware of and it should have been managed and it could have been managed, but it wasn't really managed. And then when it was managed, it all turned into a big, uh, into a catastrophic fight. Um, and that's the problem with these things, that there aren't rules. And that's perhaps a good thing or, or not, in your view. 
Uh, there are rules. And, and uh, for instance, Old Mutual had a, a related party committee who, who could deal with those kinds of situations. I think the short answer in terms of Old Mutual is, is they should never have appointed a chair with that kind of conflict of interest. Either you should a chair, have sold, a chief, a chief executive. Uh, sorry, a chief chair. executive. Sorry. Just getting, getting the roles. Yeah, the chair, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so they never should have appointed a chief executive with such a conflict. Either he should have sold his, his interest in that entity. I couldn't or, agree more. Yeah. Or, or not been appointed. Uh, of course, it's easy in hindsight to say that, and everyone thought that they could manage it. But I think there's a good lesson to be learned is when you can avoid a conflict of interest, do so. But I mean, and, and I love hindsight because it is the perfect science and it does say to us, oh, look, it was obvious there was going to be a problem. But sometimes it is bleedingly obvious. And I'm afraid often boards think that they are, uh, you know, they, they know better. And unfortunately, they're human beings overseeing other human beings and human beings are fallible. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's the dilemma is uh, we expect human beings to do fantastic things and, and human beings are capable of doing that. But at the same and time... For, and, we, and we also pay them to do fantastic things too. Let's be blunt about that. Of course. And, and, but because they... Uh, and, and I have a colleague who always call people messy and idiosyncratic is Oof. they always come up with something that will surprise you and, and they will sometimes fail you. And, and hence that leads to the disappointment that we've experienced. Do Are we brutal enough with our boards? Do we hold our boards to account aggressively enough? Or do we kind of go, well, that's somebody else's job? I think from a legal perspective, probably not. Uh, I don't think we, we have, uh, as, as the Australians and the Americans who have enough uh, legal cases against directors where things go wrong. I think in the court of public opinion, we've recently seen, uh, especially now with the old mutual, with the Sassol, where things were probably done in a, in a legal way. But the court of public opinion has found otherwise. My thanks to you for coming in this evening. It's really interesting. Dr. Victor Prozetsky, we could talk about this governance stuff all night. You won't necessarily appreciate it, but I find this stuff fascinating. Boardrooms and the people that make them up and the people who are meant to be operating and guiding and ruling and, and governing and uh, very smart executives who sometimes find a way around them. But, uh, Victor is Managing Director at The Board Practice.